The title of my message this morning is Christmas is Over, What Now? A.K.A., or subtitled, Don't Leave the Baby in the Manger. That's, that comes from Brian. I don't know if you remember him saying that last week, but that turned on something for me. Uh, as he was uh, drawing his message to a close, and uh, he challenged us not to, uh, to leave the baby in a manger. And, uh, and, uh, and I uh, wanted to hitchhike off of that particular thought. As was expressed uh, when I said that, my title of my message, there is often a feeling of letdown once Christmas is over. For many, the, the celebration of Christmas uh, extends for days after the actual holiday. You, uh, you may not feel that sense of letdown yet, but, uh, but you will. Uh, some of the letdown comes from the fact that uh, as adults, the magic and the, the wonder of Christmas has changed. You are no longer the ones looking for gifts under the tree, but you're the one who is putting the gifts there. For others, we spend so much time rushing around preparing for Christmas that all of a sudden it's past and we realize it's all over. Perhaps you are the kind of person who doesn't spend much time you know, moping around, but you simply focus on the next thing on your to-do list. When it comes to Christmas, I would challenge you this morning that such thinking is a mistake. In addition to understanding the true meaning of Christmas, we need to ask ourselves a very important question. What impact uh, should Christians have on our lives? Should Christmas have on our lives? It should impact us more than simply giving, uh, of giving, uh, getting us new things in w- with which to play. This morning, I take you to Hebrews chapter 12, where we look at one of the conclusions that is drawn by the author under this, you know, uh, about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. The author gives us a picture of the Christian life. He He pictures it as a journey or a race. And Christmas is not meant to be a standalone event. It is meant to be seen as the starting block of life. And you and I are not at the end of the Christmas season. The effects of Christmas should just be starting. In other words, don't leave the baby in in the manger. Let's read Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand uh, of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Note that the author talks about a great cloud of witnesses. He has just finished uh, the great resuscitation of the examples of faith listed in Hebrews chapter 11. He is reminding us that we, that we stand on the foundation of many other faithful people. Think about, think about how much more focused a musician is when they know that their teacher is in the audience. Or think about an athlete who realizes there is a scout in the stands. Or a teacher who must teach other teachers. Or a preacher who gives an address in front of others who speak for a living. Other preachers. Our focus is much greater. We, we know that we can't simply wing it because our flaws will be exposed. Now, I, I hope you realize, or at least I want to share my thoughts, that I don't think the author is trying to say, keep focus because former generations are watching you from heaven. I agree with the statement, the theologian who said, it is hard to imagine that our loved ones could be looking down at us from heaven and see how poorly we are progressing in our Christian lives or see some of, some of our sinning and still have it called heaven. It makes sense to me. So therefore, I think these witnesses are like the witnesses of history. As a country, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin and Abraham Lincoln and many others are our great cloud of witnesses as a country. They have shown us the way. We are called to build on their wisdom even as we learn from their example. We, uh, we do not envision them standing before us and cheering us on, but rather pointing the way. There are generations of Christians who have sacrificed and who have labored. They have run the race and now passed the baton to us. They have shown us the way. They have shown us that labor is worthwhile. And we are not mere tourists, but rather we are pilgrims and pioneers. And our job is to advance the kingdom. And to this end, I believe that this text gives us some challenges. The first challenge is, the first, this, you know, is in the middle of the first verse. Get rid of things that hinder us. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. If, uh, if you look at the Olympic runner or swimmer, 
you will notice something. They don't have long hair. They don't, uh, they don't swim or run in baggy clothes. Why do you suppose? These things create a measure of drag, which, of course, slow them down. And athletes work to eliminate body fat and increase muscle tone so that the bodies are as lean and as efficient as possible. Male swimmers shave their bodies. Shorts and t-shirts have been replaced by spandex suits on the track. Runners wear shoes that, uh, that provide the support and protection and spring that they need, but they don't but they must also be as light as possible. All of this is to eliminate anything that might cause even the slightest drag and slow them down. And we should be running the race uh, of the Christian faith with the same kind of focus. We must remove anything from our lives that would keep us from pursuing Christ with intensity Many of the things that hinder uh, are not bad things. In fact, uh, they may even be praiseworthy. You know, like the beautiful hair uh, on a uh, runner or a swimmer. But, if something hinders our discipleship, we should be willing to remove it from our lives. Our race is so important that we should relentlessly be trying to take ourselves into more, in, in, you know, uh, into more effective witnessing. So what kind of things are we talking about? Family life, when it becomes all-consuming. Families must come first is not the correct answer. Christ comes first in the life of the believer. And family is a close second. Television can consume our lives and dedicate, you know, uh, or dictate, I should say, our, uh, our schedules. Hobbies can become so important that they, that they draw us away from the king. Material blessings, we can become so consumed with the need to have something more, something better, something bigger. And this can often lead us into bad financial decisions that, uh, that keep us from having the resources needed to advance the kingdom and to help the needy. Our jobs can hinder us. We can be so trapped up in our jobs that we have no energy for anything else. Our amusements, that is, our social life, might cause us to be surrounded by people who chip away at our character and our commitment. We can even be so preoccupied with theology that the pursuit of knowledge that will fill notebooks with information, but, uh, but never get around to, to serving the king that we study. Does it seem petty? Only to those who are not serious, I believe, 
about the race. And this is only the first half of the instruction, if you'll notice. The second is to eliminate sin that so easily entangles. Just imagine trying to run in a bathrobe and slippers or shoes that are untied. And when we ignore sin in our spiritual lives, I think we hamper our ability uh, to move forward in our faith. There are a number of things that entangle us, such as preoccupation with pleasure or just having a good time, you know, having fun, or drunkenness and gluttony, or we can be entangled by a controlling and competitive spirit, or maybe the lust for status, or an addiction to shopping or to the material. Maybe we're entangled by gossiping and lying or having a sense of entitlement. And yes, we can be, we can be entangled in our spiritual lives through laziness. You probably know a number of sinful behaviors that are hindering your walk with Christ. And rather than simply acknowledging or listing these things that we are, that we are told to deal with, you know, that, uh, that we uh, forget about or let slide our pursuit of the greater purpose of Christ. So do something about the ones that we know about. The second challenge we get in the author's admonishment is to run with perseverance in the last part of verse 1. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I would dare say that that we all know people who appear to be fervent believers. And they had that appearance at one time, but these people have eventually lost that flame of enthusiasm. Some even reach the point where they renounce the faith. Maybe you've heard some people say, I've tried Christianity, but it didn't work. Others of these people are still in the churches. They attend periodically. They are familiar with the vocabulary. And they may even occasionally serve. But however, we know people, for the most part, their enthusiasm has waned. Their, Christi- their Christian vitality is all but, but past in, all in the past tense. And they find themselves being what is called flash-in-the-pan Christians. What's happened is these people have stopped growing. They became distracted by the trials or the demands of life. And when their Christianity called for trust or sacrifice or endurance, they surrendered their Christianity and stopped before the finish line. Sadly, churches are filled with people content with a superficial Christianity that impresses the world but denies the Lord of their life. 
I do not believe such people are true followers at all. When Jesus talked to us, he, uh, and to us, to, as, as, uh, as, as followers of Christ, to, to follow him, he called us what? To deny ourselves. He called us to watch and pray. He called us to count the cost. He called us to put him before anyone and everything else. He said to seek first his kingdom. And he called us to expect the same kind of rejection that he faced. And as you read through the words of the apostles, they tell us the very same thing. Unfortunately, that's often not the message of Christianity is packaged and distributed today. We hear... We hear a Jesus who wants to meet our needs, to prosper us, to make life a more enjoyable journey. When in reality, the Bible warns us that we will be persecuted, we will be rejected and ridiculed. And the truth is, following Christ is not easy. It It demands focus, it demands determination, it demands sacrifice and work. But folks, it's worth it. It really is. We we have said it many times, anything that is worth doing is going to take work. And if you want to be a good musician rather than just talented, you have to practice diligently. If you want to be a good athlete, you need to work hard all the time. And if you want to be a craftsman rather than a tinkerer, you need to practice and you need to learn and to keep at it until it is right. And the same is true for the followers of Christ. If you want to be a disciplined, you know, follow, disciplined disciple, Rather than uh, merely a fan, it will take perseverance. It will mean that you keep going, even when you don't seem to be seeing any payoff. It will mean doing what Christ says, even if people around you ridicule you. It will mean going without some of the stuff and pleasures of the world so you can care for others. And in so doing, honor Jesus Christ. Now, if, if you're like me, this seems like a mountain too steep to climb. We want to honor Christ, but His summons seem too hard, too costly. The author of Hebrew understands as we continue on in the text. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who by the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition with sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So the third challenge is to keep your focus 
you know, and to look at Jesus. That is to say, the key to living victoriously for Christ is to keep your eyes on Him. A.K.A. or otherwise, don't leave the baby in the manger. Have I said that before? When we remember what Christ did for us, that He came to earth, faced the rejection of men, died a very cruel death, endured the wrath that we deserve. He gave us the Holy Spirit and now intercedes for us as, you know, as He prepares a place for us in heaven. Then we will realize, when we, when we recognize all of this, what He's done for us, then we will realize that even giving up our lives for Him is nothing but our privilege. Soldiers often understand this better than disciples. Soldiers go into battle knowing the risk. They fight with honor and uh, are willing to lay down their lives for their country because they see the bigger picture. They are serving the cause of freedom and are willing to keep serving that cause even if it costs them their lives. And we are here today because of them. And I think that we should approach discipleship with that same attitude. We fight a battle for the kingdom of God that is worth fighting. And we are here today because a great cloud of witnesses fought faithfully for the Lord on our behalf. They refused to compromise for the sake of their own convenience. And we are being asked to follow their lead. Jesus kept going because he focused on the joy before him. We should do the same thing. Our problem is that we get distracted by the seductive words of friends and temporary enjoyments of the, uh, of the pleasures of this world. And so the challenge is to focus instead on, focus on the, the well done of a smiling Savior. Focus on the redemption of our hell-bound friends. Focus on the challenge of handling the next generation of faith that is, uh, you know, uh, undiminished. Focus on the glory of heaven. And in order to do this job, it means we must keep our focus. I don't know how many of you remember an old movie There's a scene in a movie entitled Runaway Bride. And uh, it is where Julia Roberts, the bride that keeps running away, is walking down the aisle. And as long as she keeps her eyes on Ike, Richard Gere, she is fine. But suddenly someone takes a picture and she loses eye contact. And when that happens, she is filled with fear and she runs away. Again, when the distractions of life, folks, come, and they will, and in those times when we lose eye contact, we must reestablish our eye contact with Jesus as soon as possible. The longer we lose sight of Him, the farther we will run. In Proverbs chapter 4, we read, 
Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away uh, perversity from your mouth. Keep, keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take, take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. They are called, I think, wise words for a, for a reason. Quickly, I will share with you three groups of people who hear this message. First, there are those who have not yet begun to run. Uh, There are some here today who are under the impression that Jesus simply wants you to like him. They think being his follower means saying some words, singing some hymns, putting some money in the offering plate, having a good time, smiling a lot, and doing something nice on his birthday. These kinds of folks have not entered into a true faith relationship with Jesus. And I say to you this morning, if you find yourself in that situation, in that group, Jesus calls you to truly trust Him. He offers you a new life if you will follow Him and not simply talk about Him. If you have never truly decided to be a follower of Jesus, I urge you, I plead with you to do so today. You cannot and will not be made new apart from truly believing. And you do not truly believe unless you are willing to follow. Count the cost and become a true follower today, please. The second group are those who are slowed and tripped up in... uh, in discipleship. That is to say that it, it is time to stop making excuses. Take a, take a hard look at your life. Systematically get rid of everything that is holding you back. Repent and turn from the sins that make you spiritually sluggish and, and once again follow wholeheartedly the one who gave his life for you. And finally, there are those who sincerely want to run with perseverance. And I encourage you to keep your eyes on Christ. Be prepared for the obstacles that will come. Read stories of some of the saints who have gone before us. Let them inspire you to serve you more fully. As <clears throat> if you're like me, this challenge both scares me and excites me. In my heart, I know that following Christ is worth every ounce and energy that I have. However, I like the comforts of life. I like what is safe, what is comfortable, and what is easy. 
I know and you know that these things are incompatible with true Christianity. And as we leave another Christmas behind, many people will move on unchanged. You will enjoy your gifts and return to business as usual. However, I hope that a few of us will be impacted and changed by the message of God's love extended to us in Christ, the babe that was in a manger. And I'm hoping that some of us will actually allow the message of Christmas to alter the direction of our lives and not leave that baby in a manger. I don't know what it will look like for you. I don't know what it will cost. What I do know is this, and that is that if we follow him with diligence, then we will see lives transformed by his power. And the life that will be transformed the most may just be your own. Oh God, we recognize the unique and specialness of you becoming one of us and dwelling among us and suffering and dying for us, redeeming us. Help us to put off the things that hinder. Say no to the sins in our lives that entangle us. Hang in there with perseverance and to keep our focus on Christ, the babe in the manger who grew up and and who... uh, sacrificed himself for us. May it be so in the new year. Through Christ we pray. Amen.